With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome in to a special holiday-themed edition of At The Buzzer, the Ralphie Report podcast for all of your Colorado Buffalo's needs. I am your first co-host, Jack Barsh, really the only consistent co-host um, now, and your co-host over there is Sam Mativier, fresh off of a nice, refreshing week off. Um, <laughs> in case you missed it, last week was the early signing day, which was exciting times for everyone, um, and the other exciting thing was there was a better co-host, Chase Howell stepped in. You know what? I told you that I would be <laughs> on the podcast, and I could like be the fan in the room. And like, who's this guy? And then you guys would both explain it, but then you just didn't invite me. Um, it was a great podcast. It, we had lots of fun. <laughs> and uh, the flow was wonderful. Chemistry was palpable. Um, I'm just saying, watch your ass, Sam. I like Chase. I wouldn't mind if you replaced me. Okay. Well, it's not as fun when you don't <laughs> fight for it. <laughs> well first off of a <clears throat> an exciting week in football with um a new batch of buffaloes coming in we have an exciting week of basketball with um a new batch of wins coming in for your basket buffs tab Boyle took the team to chicago this this week to um play in another huge non-conference matchup for cu they played number 13 dayton um whose only loss this year is an overtime loss to kansas um well that is at least until they played the buffs so We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the, um, how the schedule sets up and Pac-12 play um, and how CU's looking before the real games start. Sam, any initial thoughts? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> about oh, – okay. Well, what, what are your initial thoughts? <laughs> I feel put on the spot. Okay. Well, um, I guess we'll, we'll start a little micro at, at talking about just the Dayton game. Um, you know, CU won in overtime. Uh, sorry to take the drama away from everyone. Off of a ridiculous buzzer beating Deshaun Schwartz three. Um, and fresh off a ridiculous pass by Tyler Bay and a ridiculous post entry by McKinley Wright on the last possession. Um, but, you know, this was – at the beginning, this was the CU team that we'd seen all non-con. Um, they were down 19-5 to early. They had four turnovers. The offense looked stagnant. Um, and then honestly, I, I think for the turnaround and for the big win, we have to thank the Dayton fans for making this super smart and, um, educated decision to boom McKinley Wright the entire game because boy, howdy, that woke him up. Yeah. That's the McKinley Wright we've been wanting to see all year is pissed off chip on his shoulder, trying to prove a point. Yeah. I'm thinking if we can make it happen, let's just try to make the event center crowd boom McKinley Wright every game because, (laughs) He was a, a man possessed. Um, he ended the game with 29 points. Once again, he is less than six feet tall. He ended the point game with 10 rebounds. Um, he distributed. He only ended up with, I think, two or three assists, but he moved the ball where it needed to go. Um, he played pretty lockdown defense, and out of the, what is that, 45 minutes of game time, I think he played 42. You know, it, he was unbelievable out there. Yeah, I – 
I just think that the best version of CU is with him running everything, him attacking. And even though he didn't really hit any threes, I like just his pull-up game, if he's willing to take those confidently, that opens up the floor for him to drive. Yeah, he didn't even he didn't even shoot that well uh, percentage-wise. I mean – I think one of four. Yeah, he, he shot nine of 14 from two. He shot one of eight from three. Oh, wow. Um, but he made 80% of his free throws. He um, had 36% of the total point output. Um, and I honestly liked most of the threes he took. A few were the end of the shot clock bombs that um, are just – they were either going to be turnovers or shots, you know, um, which I can't hold those too much against him. But like you said, when he is confident, and part of that confidence is stepping into dribble up threes or um, transition threes, that's when this that's when this team really, really works, is when – the confidence is there. And thankfully, for some reason, Dayton fans holding a grudge uh, three years ago, CU or McKinley Wright decommitted from Dayton after the coach that he committed to left. Um, I guess that is a cardinal sin in the state of Ohio, but um, they, they pooed him. They did not, they were not happy of his, with his presence and he was not happy for theirs. Um, and he made them pay for it. Can you imagine what Dayton would look like with McKinley Wright playing there? This year would be unbelievable. That's a, I guess that's a sophomore Obi Toppin and then a, a junior McKinley Wright. Yeah, that's a top five team. <laughs> yeah, I was also like just right away. I was impressed with like the team defense. Uh, after they gave up what eight of the first nine shots Dayton took were makes. Well, you say gave up, but they yeah, it was they were ridiculous shots. And before we go any further, let's talk a little bit about why this game is so big for CU. Yeah. Um, Dayton was, by efficiency metrics, definitely the best two-point offense in the country um, and one of the best three-point offenses in the country. They just don't miss a lot of shots. Um, they are all pretty experienced. Obi Toppin knows exactly where to get his spots. Um, and there's not a lot of dumb dumb plays. So they all – they don't miss shots. They're very offensively skilled. And, and CU yeah. – Everybody, everybody can pass, handle, shoot. Yeah. And yep. this makes them impossible to contain because all five of their players can attack from many ways. Yep. Um, Trey Landers on the wing is really good. He's a 6'5". He's a senior guard, um, or I guess wing players, if you want to call him that. And he's, you know, he's big enough to go dunk on some smaller guys. He's small enough to go past everyone else. You know, they just have a great, a well-put-together roster. Um, and part of the reason that's surprising this year is because three of them are transfers. And they've really gelled way better than anyone was expecting um, in that transfer mindset. So you have basically three Carlin Browns on their team, plus Obi Toppin, plus Jalen Crusher, plus uh, Rodney Chapman. It's, it's a good team. Um, and I think they showed that. But the other thing is once CU saw that they, they basically will start missing – um, so you locked them down and I don't know why they got worse in the defensive metric after this game. Cause I was very impressed with the, the rotations and the defense I saw all game. Yeah. Their, their Ken Palm, uh, defensive rating, what you're referencing there dropped from, I think 16th to 21st in the nation after that. Yeah. <clears throat> and well, some of that is also, um, how the other teams play. I was looking at it and why that, why they're down to 21st. They're at 89.3. And if, if you, if you sort it by, which means a, I, I believe that means they gave up 89 points uh, per 100 possessions, which is which is pretty good. Um, and if if you look at the the teams right above them, 20th is 89.2, 19th is 89.2, 18th is 
you know, that's that's all basically one game. You know, if, if CU has another good game defensively, they can jump all of those teams. All right, yeah, so the, the rankings are pretty fluid in that range right now. Regardless, CU's a top-tier defensive team. We've said that all year. Um, it's been proven all year. Um, and the other thing we saw, I think, this game is they've been good at they've been good at, at rebounding, but this game especially, they were dominant at rebounding. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's uh, give a quick five-minute shout-out to everything that Evan Batty is because, oh, my God, what a guy. <laughs> wow. He just – I love the, the offensive strategy of just throwing the ball at the rim because you know you're going to get it. It reminds me of, like, I used to referee uh, youth basketball, and there'd mm-hmm. be, like, this kid who was, like, six feet tall and playing against, like, five-foot-tall kids, and he would just, like, get every single rebound in his offensive strategy, just throw it at the rim and let him get the board, and you'll eventually get a putback layup or a foul. And that's how it was. Evan Batty had um... – 12 rebounds. Sam, I don't know if you know this off the top of your head. I was going to tell you, ask you, how many of those do you think are offensive rebounds? Eight. Which is unreal. Eight offensive rebounds in one game is ridiculous. 66% of your rebounds coming on the offensive end is even more ridiculous. And when you watch the game, if you did watch the game, every single one of them, it wasn't, they weren't cheap, long rebounds. It was Evan Batty clearing space in, in that paint and making the rebound happen. It was pure effort. And, I, and you know, as excited as we are, that's what's going to get you on the court every time. Tad Boyle will never take a guy off who's working like that. And, it, I mean, it was nice he didn't foul once, which is not something we see from Evan Batty. Yeah, um, and like we mentioned, sore subject, I guess. Dayton fans were, um, mm, let's put it nicely, touchy with the free throw discrepancy in the game. So you shot 21, Dayton shot 7. Um if you look at the t- the team profiles to this point, that also makes sense. CU is, hold on, uh, 24th in the country on um, free throw attempts per field goal attempt. So basically that means that a lot of CU's um, offense comes from free throws percentage-wise. And they also are pretty good at preventing that for the other team. Um, if you look at Dayton's offense, they are 210th in the country at free throw attempts per field goal attempt. So, Never mind the fact that that matches the profile of these two teams, the way that free throw discrepancy happened. Also, if you get eight offensive rebounds, you're going to put that shot up right away, and you're going to get a foul or a bucket. And that's what happened. Evan Batty put that shot up right away, and then he got a foul or a bucket. That's part of – I mean – Oh, no, he just missed one free throw at the very end. But, uh, I mean, even the eye test, like Dayton, like CU doesn't really foul. Right. I mean, there was one foul where, like, Shane Gatling drew a charge. That one was not a good call. But, like, everything else, there weren't really any sketchy calls. It was, like, like the offensive rebound or the defensive rebounds Dayton would get, and then their guy would, like, fall out of bounds mm-hmm. or would just slip and get called for travel. Mm-hmm. Like, those were just unfortunate. So there was, there was some salt um, on, the, on, that, on the Dayton side of things um, to the point where one of their athletic directors – actually tweeted out 21 to seven. I stand with our student athletes, um, which boy, howdy, I cannot imagine how you can get more dramatic um, based off an overtime loss at a neutral site. But here we are. Um, You're pissed they lost to us last year. Yeah. And like I said, I would like to score that. I would like to schedule them every single year. Cause what we've seen borne out is that CU, CU wins every time. And also Dayton fans get mad every time. Um, and there's nothing I like more and see you winning and other fans getting mad. 
And it's really pretty basketball of two differing styles. And it's just like, yeah, great. The weird thing is, you know, the, I think the players really actually enjoy each other's company. Like, if you were watching Obi Toppin and Evan Batty were giving respect to each other at the end of the game for a long time. Because I think they both realize these are both really good players and completely contrasting styles. Anthony Grant and Tab Boyle love each other. I don't, I don't think there's any mad – I don't think there's any loss of respect there. Um, and, like, like, McKinley Wright knows those guys on the Dayton squad. And he was right. committing to play with them. Oh God, Evan Batty was—he is just—he's an engine that makes his team go. He is an engine. It's just like—it's nice that we have multiple. We saw that the past few games too, when when CU's offense was kind of scuffling, being lethargic, and he was the one trying to make things happen. Mm-hmm. He was the one bodying guys, trying to get things going. Yes, and he is a weapon. You know, not every team's going to have a guy like Obi Toppin and then also Shamanga that came off their bench uh, for Dayton. Those are two giant tree trunks, and Obi Toppin is obviously – he's more than a tree trunk. He's a complete athlete. Um, that's like – you know, Obi Toppin is a better version of Aaron Gordon at Arizona, if you remember him. You say he a better is, version? Yes. Not defensively. Think, not okay. defensively. Yeah, I think they're a little bit different. Offensively, absolutely. Um, Aaron Gordon was a hustle player at Arizona. But if, if you look at the rest of the schedule, there are not a lot of players – like Obi Toppin um, that CU has to face. Oregon's going to have a few. Yeah, Oregon um, has a lot. Um, I don't know. Everything about this game was, was exactly how we needed it for CU. Neutral site slash road site, really, if you look at the, the attendance. Um, Hard-fought game. They had to battle back mentally. They had to battle back physically. Everyone had to be counted on. McKinley Wright broke out of his um, – I don't know. It's always He always does this in the early season. Do you think so? I feel like the last two years, McKinley Wright always – try stuff, gets out of his comfort zone a little um, yeah, game-wise. And then, you know, whether it's a separated shoulder, whether, I don't know, whether it's play, fans booing him, then he figures out, oh, I'm McKinley Wright, and he, and he becomes the player we know he is. Yeah, like once he – yeah, he just needs to focus on what that and leading the offense. Like against Arizona State and Clemson, like CU was scoring – like they had huge halves, and it was because he was leading everything. Um, um, also, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Deshaun Schwartz hitting five of seven threes. Oh, He's doing great things all the time. The pure, I mean, uh, the pure confidence. We tweeted, we tweeted. Um, I guess during the loss of Northern Iowa, I think we tweeted. Uh, I wish Deshaun Schwartz believed in himself the way that I believed in him um, from the account, which actually got some got some play from a few other basketball um, guys in the CU scene, but. I think it's because that's what most fans feel. Like we all see what he is and what he can be. Um, and we all think that's who he is all the time. And, I, and for some reason, it just doesn't click like that with him. It has this been game, more this season. It has this, been better this Oh, season. yeah. And this game, it clicked. And this game, it clicked. He knew he could hit these shots. He knew he could hit these shots. Every single three was complete confidence. There was no hesitation. He knew he could drive. We talk about the game-winning three, which was beautiful from everyone. Let's talk about the drive, the possession before where he split two defenders, including one being a, a lottery pick in Obi Toppin, to make a ridiculous um, finger roll left-handed layup. That's, that is an NBA play. Yeah, he's, I think that – so going into the season, we knew what Wright and Bay were, basically. Uh, and then Schwartz would be the third, like, swing player. Like, if mm-hmm. he can be, like, that scorer, like the go-to scorer when CU needs it, then that unlocks everything on offense. Mm-hmm. It gives them a floor space that's like consistent hitting five threes in a game. That's huge. 
and it gives them someone who can go and get his own bucket, create it for his own. If say Bay is having trouble because he's guarding a freak athlete and being guarded by him. Yep. And the thing he did this game, which I've, I've been wanting to see for a while, he used it to distribute too, but he also scored off of this is now when, once he hit those few threes um, and once he saw how hard they were going to close out on him, he, he a few times did a pump fake two dribble drive into the lane, either pass it off or get a, get a layup or a foul. Um, which if he can add that point, cause we know, I mean, I, I feel comfortable with the ball in his hands dribbling. I don't think Deshaun Schwartz does any stupid um, moves. I don't, I don't think he has any extra turnovers that aren't necessary. Yeah, he has um, some playmaking ability too. Not to call out other members of this team, um, especially on the wing, but there are players on this team that, do have unforced turnovers quite a bit when they're handling the ball. That's not necessarily Schwartz. So yeah. n- now that he has a shooting and he has a size, adding those together, just letting him do the pump fake, get the guy flying by him, and then take whoever's helping him inside, bully him a little bit, get the bucket, the foul, the pass. I that's If, if that's consistently there, um, if this game unlocks that for him, wow. I mean, th- that's a weapon that not a lot of Pac-12 teams can match up with. Yeah, I don't think that this will be shorts every game or even half the games. I think this will be like a shorts that pops up game to game, and it will probably show up more often in big games. Yep. Uh, as we've seen earlier this year, that's even happened. Yeah, I mean, that, that game-winning three was the culmination of this 2017 recruiting class, right? It was McKinley Wright running it down the court, doing a beautiful post-entry to Tyler Bay. Tyler Bay drawing the double team and then doing a absolutely ridiculous um, pass out of the double team because he knew where Deshaun Schwartz was going to be in that um, wing spot. And then Deshaun Schwartz finishing the game. You know, that, that's, that's the, the vision of his class when they all signed as freshmen. Yeah, absolutely it is. Uh, I just love the versatility and the balance that this team, when it's fully idealized, has. And those, like, those top four players have been what we expected, or even better. We just need yeah. to see some step-ups from other players. <laughs> yep. And another thing, we haven't mentioned Tyler Bay at all because he had a quiet uh, 12 points and six rebounds, which, once again, still a good scat line, especially with who he's playing against. With four steals. With four steals, yep. Um, I still a good scat line with who he played against. But the, uh, the thing we talked about is I thought he did a good job of finishing hard at the rim this game. Uh, yeah, the first half he was okay at it. Second half he started to get a little bit meaner. He yeah, was a little bit out of it first half. Too. Uh, I mean, what else can we say about this um, game? It, it was exactly have- what a huge win for the. I mean, for the tournament seeding, you know, for the non-conference as a whole, for the team, big win. Yeah, um, I have two thoughts. Uh, one is that. This just proves, again, Tad Ball works and it travels. Mm-hmm. And when you have like a team like Dayton that wants to have clean basketball, run up and down the floor, and then, I don't know, just play not in a mud fight. Mm-hmm. This, this really works to drag them down, and it, it's really effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another thing is like, like it, it's hard to shoot on the road. You're not used to the courts. Um, you haven't really played there ever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, you have one shoot around the night before, and that's it. Yeah. yeah, and then, but if you just throw it at the rim and just get everything, you can just do that. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and that's and I think that's also honestly tad ball. He said, "What does he say? Is, is shooting come and go comes and goes? Defense always travels, right? Yeah. Like you have great shooting nights where you don't need to play ridiculous defense and you blow someone out, and you'll have bad shooting nights where you need to scrape and claw for every single point you get." And, and, and his whole philosophy as a program is make sure the scraping and clawing is always, always, always there. Make sure you can always, always, always count on that because no matter what, you are going to be in games. If that's, if that is your strategy, you are going to be in games no matter what. Yeah. Keep it close. Anything can happen. And you know, I hate to bring it up every time, but there are people out there who don't, who even now are not believers in, in the tab Boyle team and consider the season this 10 and two, Non-conference season, a disappointment, partially because of how they looked. And, yeah, they've looked gross on offense this year. But, like, the whole point of tab ball is that they've looked gross on offense this year, and they're 10-2. and two. It's the <laughs> and the part, you know? And they're going to be 11-2. and two. We're, we're assuming they beat Iona. We're not going to record until That's after. a rough assumption. What? That's a, I mean, that's a, I, I'm, not, I'm not willing to assume anything. But Well, Iona's like 2-5. and five. Okay. Well, that's good to hear. You know, that, that's the whole point, right, is it's not just the we look gross on offense, fire Tad. It's the this team has not been good at offense. Everyone agrees. Every single person agrees. And they are still 10-2 and two with wins over good teams. See you beat Arizona State in China. See you beat Clemson in a neutral court. See you just beat the number 13 team in the country on a neutral court. That does not happen unless you commit every single day to your philosophy of defensive rebounding. That is what Tad Ball is. Oh, I don't know. What All a right. game. So thoughts on the non-conference schedule. You wanted to brag about something. Yes. Uh, if, if I remember correctly, when we, when we recorded a podcast before the beginning of the season, um, I believe I put CU at an 11-2 non-conference or a 10-3 non-conference. Um, and I, I think I also said that <clears throat> CU is going to drop a game to a team that it shouldn't at home. Um, and I believe I also specifically singled out University of Northern Iowa. So everyone, you're welcome. Um, it's my fault they lost. It, uh, you know, it's somewhat to be expected. Northern Iowa uh, is good team this year. They're 11 and one. Um, they are projected to go 24 and six, 13 and five in conference, um, with the only loss right now looking like it's Loyola Chicago on the road, um, based off of Ken Palm's numbers. Northern Iowa was a good team, and CU was not a good team at that point. You know, the non-conference schedule was a masterpiece in terms of getting this team mentally ready for the, the rigors of the season. You start off with a weird neutral site game against a good team in China. Um, you go to a tournament in Las Vegas, play a wacky Wyoming team, a bad Wyoming team, but a wacky one, and then a pretty good Clemson team to finish it off. Um, and then I think we mentioned this before on, on the podcast, we both agreed, see, you needed to go three and five in the last or four and six in the last stretch of the non-conference for, for their goals to still be in front of them, which it looks like they're going to do, you know, um, you don't want that Northern Iowa loss, but I don't know how many of us were expecting a Dayton win on the not in, on a neutral site. So that loss to Kansas, you kind of throw that away. Um, because everyone loses to Kansas, the fog Allen Fieldhouse. I wish they didn't, but everyone does. Um, the Northern Iowa loss, you you internalize, and then you win the ones you should. North Colorado State, Prairie View A&M, you won those. And then you win the one you shouldn't in Dayton. And now you're set up for a really good season going into the conference schedule. And CU, they're going to start with Oregon. 
And Oregon, sixth in the AP poll, tenth mm-hmm. in the Ken Palm rankings. They've never won in Boulder. It's a 50-50 game. And if CU beats Iona and they climb back into the top 25, which they should, they're 27th right now, it'll mm-hmm. be like the second or third top 25 matchup at the Coors Events Center this century. That is, number one, a kind of a depressing fact. Yeah. Um, <laughs> number two, it sucks that the, the students are on break for that game. Yeah. That is the Oregon game. That's the highlight of every year, the home game against Oregon and home game against Arizona too. Uh, the best game we've really ever seen was when CU played Oregon in 2014. When was yeah. the game? It was like 100 to 98. Uh, 2013-2014 season. I missed that game. I was like seeing fucking X-Men in theaters with my sister. <laughs> Uh, and this was right after I think they dismantled Tommy Amaker's Harvard squad. Oh yeah. God, yeah, and that was yeah, that was the Spencer Dinwiddie. I'm just gonna take this game over, f everyone else. Yeah, this Oregon team isn't gonna score 98 points, and they're certainly not gonna allow 100 points. But it'll be really competitive, great game. Point guard battle going down, lots of length on both sides of the floor. Um, that's like CU's biggest home challenge in the Pac-12 play, and it's right away. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I just looked it up. It was 191. Uh, this is back when Oregon had, if you remember this name, Joseph Young. <laughs> yeah. What a great scorer. scorer. Um, and Damian Dotson um, famously Ooh. was yeah. escaped a lot of Title IX stuff, thanks to Dana Allman and the Oregon Athletic Department. Um, <laughs> then on our side, Spencer Dinwiddie, 23 points. Askia Booker, 27 points. Josh Scott, 15 points, 12 rebounds. Xavier Johnson, 15 points, 7 rebounds, um, 5 turnovers. Um, Wesley Gordon with the most Wesley Gordon sideline ever. 4 points, 7 rebounds, 2 blocks. <laughs> How many of those were offensive rebounds? Uh, 4. Nice. Okay. Yeah, that team was fun. Anyways, the point is, uh, it's hard for Oregon to win a Boulder for whatever reason. No matter how good either team is, it's hard for them they to win. They made the final four. They made the final four and lost to a team that lost in the NIT first round. Yep, and that was with it was that Dylan Brooks, Tyler Dorsey. Yeah, lost yeah, to the dynamic duo of Derek White and whoever was next to him. <laughs> Josh Fortune. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, okay, so that's there. They move on. Um, they're going to play at Arizona. They don't get Arizona at home this year, so that sucks. But. Mm-hmm. They can beat Arizona State in Tempe. I uh, mean, they can beat Arizona in, in Tucson. It, yeah. Mikhail has not been intimidating this year. St. John's just went in there and dominated. Yeah, Arizona's been sketchy this year. They have really good freshmen. Like, their offense is great with Nico Mannion and Zeke Nanji, but they are rough defensively. Like, both of those two are huge minuses on defense. Yeah, and, well, and the problem with them is their best players are all young. Super, They're freshmen, so... Yeah, Josh Green, too. It's, it's hard for them to count on anyone right now um if you if you look at the the conference schedule to me as a whole um there's only a few games that you absolutely cannot lose in my mind what the the home games to like oregon state yeah like you have to beat oregon state at home you have to beat utah Utah at home home. even though kentucky just lost to utah utah you need to beat utah you need to beat you. Well, Utah also lost, I believe, to Utah Valley or someone gross yeah, earlier this year. Consistent. Coastal Carolina. They lost to Coastal Carolina by 22. Oh, my God. Um, 
Yeah. So yeah, they're a very they're a high variance team. And that's the thing um, is, is CU is not this year or shouldn't be this year. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This it right now. Um, people smarter than us are, are projecting a twenty-two and nine regular season with an eleven and seven conference record. If that's what and CU ends up at, um, that is an easy tournament lock. Yeah, not even um, the Pac-12 tournament. That's an easy. They are what I think twenty-seventh in net. No, I see AP pool. I don't know. I don't follow. No, them. they're they're low thirties in the net, um, which is what the NCAA committee is mostly going to look at when they're determining teams. Um, and if you're in the low thirties and you're a Power Five school, you are good to go. Mm-hmm. And mostly, thankfully, the Pac-12 is not gross this year. It's not that bad. Um, there are teams that will drag you down. Washington State at home. You need to win that by more than 10 or else you're going to take a hit. Um, even UCLA at home, <laughs> that that might be a hit in the RPI or the net, depending. Um, and California this year is gross. They are very bad. Um, so you have to win both games against Cal. But other than that, you know, there aren't a lot of super pitfalls. There aren't a lot of games that CU absolutely has to have. Should they win most of the other ones or most of the games? Yes. But we also we also avoid the Washington road trip, which is great because we always fuck up against Washington State and Pullman. Yep, yep. Um, and yeah, Washington, Washington this year is also, once again, the antithesis. I mean, it's a zone which Tad is never that good against, and it's a long zone with a lot of athletes. Well, there. I don't think that Washington's very polished. They don't have any playmaker like Matisse Thybulle. Like, if you take Matisse Thybulle off those Washington teams that destroyed CU. I don't really – like, I think CU has a much, much better chance. Right, but just imagine – I yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard for for me to see, see you matching up naturally with that team. Um, I don't think they're naturally a good zone defense right now. Hmm. Like, like Isaiah Stewart hasn't been a very good defender. Really? That's interesting, actually. I would consider them – I mean, Jaden McDaniel – they have so much individual talent on offense, too. Yeah, if they want to, some one of them can just take over and see if they can win the game, Markel Fultz style. Yeah. Um, God, can you imagine Lonzo Romar? Lorenzo Romar went, uh, I think nine and twenty-two with Markel Fultz on the team. I know, I know. Markel I watched Fultz that happen. And Matisse Thybul and Malik Dime. I miss the student section being so shitty that Malik Dime slapped two of them in the face. I know. Everyone was like, "Yeah." They deserved it. <laughs> we need to bring the assholes back in numbers, in droves. Make Coors hard. Make Coors a terrible place for other people to play. Um, yeah, so I think that – so the Oregon game, that's the only toss-up at home. And barring some fuck-up, uh, CU could run, like, through the home schedule undefeated if they beat Oregon, if they beat Washington. Those are their two biggest tests. Yeah, I mean, it would be the most CU thing ever for this to be the team that breaks the Oregon and Boulder streak, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because there have been better Oregon teams and there have been worse CU teams, and they still did not break the streak. Um, yeah. But it would it would be so CU for this to be the one, and then they just run the table. This Oregon team's tough as hell, too. They've come back in some games on neutral sites. Yeah, well, Peyton Pritchard is, against all odds, a very good <laughs> A very good player. I called him the fifth best player on the Oregon team, and I immediately regretted that. It's because, he, I mean, he looks like Sid from Toy Story. He, <laughs> he, he does not uh-huh. look like an, a Division One player. Um, 
but he is very, very good at almost everything. He's so efficient on offense. He runs everything so well. He knows when to move the ball, and he's he's a pest on defense. All right. I don't know. Um, so right now, Sam, if you're looking at the conference as a whole, just give me a quick rundown one through twelve. Where does CU fit in with that? What what who are the teams above CU if there are any, um, and who's the, who's the dregs of the conference? I think right now the clear cut number one is Oregon, um, and then two through four is very. It's Colorado, or Arizona, Washington, in no order. They're all sketchy. Like they, they all, they're all inconsistent, but generally good. Mm-hmm. Stanford somehow has been pretty good. I don't understand that. They've also been blowing out bad teams, so maybe it's nothing. Uh, Oregon State, USC, those are probably in the same tier with them. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I'm not really thinking about after that. <laughs> okay. Um, if I get, I guess if I'm going bad, oh, Arizona bottom, State's pretty good too. Uh, yeah, they're fine. They're I fine. Like, I, I like their team. Um, you know, if I'm looking at the bottom up, I think Cal and Washington State once again make up the the worst part of the Pac-12. Um, and then that if then you jump another tier to like the UCLA's, the Arizona States, the Oregon States. Um, I think that's the the next. Um, what do you call that? Grouping. Um, and then after that, you have, to me, you have like the Stanford, um, Utah, and eh, USC. USC. Yeah. You, Stanford, Utah, USC group, which is – they're good, and they're going to beat most teams they play, um, but they're not – I'm not scared of them yet. I think um, that they, they could beat anybody, but I'm not really scared of them. Right. Um, and then to me, and then you jump to Washington, Arizona, Colorado. Um, and I think that team there, those, that grouping is all pretty much even right now. Um, I'm scared of both those teams. And I think they're both scared of CU. I'm not really scared of Arizona. I think that we'll lose, but I'm not really scared of them. Like it takes a, like a special Arizona team for me to be scared. Like there has to be like a, like a Ryan Anderson, or like like one of those veteran players that will just beat you up. I'm scared of those players on Arizona. Right. Well, yeah. There's there's no TJ McConnell. There's yeah. no uh, yeah. And then I, I think Oregon's in its own class again. This so far, um, they just look. I, I they bring in a player like a day before the season starts, and he's already like he knows all the play. I don't understand how they do it, where it's just the chemistry is already there. It's immediately there. Dana Altman is one of the very best coaches in college basketball. Mm-hmm. Possibly the best, honestly. But he's also a snake, so. Yeah. Well, Ted Boyle likes him, apparently. I don't know what where that impression comes from, but okay. No, I was listening to the Free Balling podcast, and they were talking about how – I forget which one of those guys was talking to, like, the coaching staff. And apparently, like, CU – the coaches actually hang out with the Oregon coaches when they're on the recruiting trail and they're like kind of pals and Dana hmm. Altman and Tad respect the hell out of each other. I mean, they have the similar core tenants. They just have very different ways to get there. Well, they have different ways of getting players. That is a very nice way to put it. <laughs> uh, and keeping those players on the team, despite eligibility issues. Well, um, Whatever. It works for him, I guess. Yeah. Um, okay, so 
I don't know, besides Oregon, give me your – what game you're most excited to go to. Oh, that's a good question because we have no Arizona. Yeah. Um, I would say Washington, but that's going to be a same, the same knuckle fight that it's been the past three years where both teams just punch each other in the mouth, no one makes shots, and then someone wins 50 to 48. Um, yeah, that's going to be a gross game. I'm not looking forward to that one. You know, honestly, the way that the Pac-12 has been shaping up right now, I'm actually pretty excited to look at that Stanford game because um, they're, they're polished on offense. And they're uh, you know, they're smaller. CU might actually see will have the size advantage, I think, on Stanford. Um, so they're going to try to play similar to Dayton, um, just a nice, easy game of offensive basketball. Um, I always think it's fun when they come into Boulder and, and just to see what happens. That's yeah. going to be a Lucas Seward game. No, that, no, I like that. That's a good pick. Um, I think I'm most excited for USC just because. CU is going to have to blow out somebody at home and it's going to be somebody good. Like last year, CU was beating Oregon like 45 to like 17. And a half. Yeah. I think it was, it was 18 to two in the first five minutes or something. Yeah. And like, I think someone's going to get got that, that way this year. And I think it'll be USC. Just, I don't know how petty Tad is. I don't know if that rivalry is even still alive, but it would be fun if CU just punched them in the mouth and just kept punching. Yeah, I you know, it's hard to see at the end of it. It's weird because this should be the most like the most knowable CU team in the Tabloid era. We know all of these players. We've seen all these players for over sixty games. Um, I think approaching seventy games now. You know, it's and yet I'm still like I don't know. The team we have seen right now is still probably good enough to make it to the tournament, but there's obviously an extra gear that they all know is there. Um, can we see that? Can we see that for most games? Will we see that for most games? I don't know. I think if we go eight and one at home, we will make the tournament pretty easily. Oh yeah. Um, you know, that Dayton win really puts you in a really good position. That's, yeah. uh, that's a, um, what do you call that? What do you call the quadrant quadrant one, you know, that's going to be a top 50 win on a neutral court at the end of the year. That's, that's good. Um, good. all right. Um, give me, give me an away game that you're most excited about. I'm excited about, mm-hmm. um, let's see. I'll do, um, I'll do USC. I want to see Tab Boyle beat the crap out of Andy Enfield at USC again. Yeah. I want to see that too. Um, I'm going to pick both the Arizona games. I think the Arizona state game will be really fun because it's a rematch of the China game. Yeah, and I will actually be at those games. Oh, great. Uh, yeah. Well, I think CU is just a better team than Arizona State. Mm-hmm. Um, and that the, their, their fans are crazy. CU never wins there. Um, at so, Arizona State? Yeah. It's yeah. going to be really fun. And then the Arizona game, that's another, like, that, that's a top 50 win if you can win at the McHale against nationally ranked Arizona. Oh, yeah, that is a – if you can do that, on the road, yes, that yes, that punches yeah. the ticket. So I think CU will have to show out for that game. So if like the 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 freshman in Arizona, they have like they have, like stumble just a little bit, that could be a really really great win. That would be the rest win of the season, assuming mm-hmm. they lose to Oregon at Oregon. Yeah, 
which I think will happen. I think we'll lose to Oregon State too on the road. Yeah. Um, I don't know. They they're an interesting team this year. We might lose to Oregon State at home too. <laughs> if we start the Pac-12 conference 0-2, that would suck ass. Every all yeah. the goodwill is gone. I don't know why you think that we. I I am not at all a fan of this Oregon State. It's it's the Trace Tinkle show and. Yeah. The Thompson twins can't hurt us anymore. Just Ethan is left. I yeah. am not worried about this team. <laughs> yeah, I'm worried. Last year, Tress Tinkle gave CU the work, and Kyler Kelly was just a monster inside. He's their big ass center who averages like five blocks a game. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is third out, in the country in block percentage right now. Yeah, they, they just took out Kelly for some reason at the end of the game. Um, and CU won that way. But I feel like. If CU fucked up at home against anyone that they shouldn't lose to, it would be Oregon State. Well, that's and that's who it was. What was it two years ago? Last yeah. year, maybe. I don't know. I'm I'm not worried at all about that one. Um, it just feels like a game CU won't make any shots. But as we talked about, they this team should be built for that. Well, right? not if Kelly is swatting everything at the rim. Yeah. Uh, has Kelly ever faced off against Evan Batty for a consistent time? I, mm, I don't think so. Because that might make that's going to make him tired. Um, okay. You can be as long as you want. Good luck getting across his body to block that. I shot. still, I still think that that that's a win. I'm just sketched out by that game. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, the Pac-12 is a lot of good teams this year and one great team, um, yeah. which means a lot of games are. Sketchy, but not scared. Scared. It also means that any away win CU gets will be pretty good. Yep. That's all. Those are all. They all buoy the resume. Almost all of them. Mm-hmm. Like like Oregon State on the road is considered an A loss right or an A win right now, and it's fifty mm-hmm. fifty. Stanford fifty fifty away. A win category. Mm-hmm. Even USC, a win category. This is lots of tournament potential in the schedule. And USC right now is projected to be a one-point game by advanced stats on the road, I should say. Yeah, that's what I'm – these are all one-point games I'm looking at. Yeah, I – you know. <laughs> it's a fun season. It's going to be a fun season. CU, yeah. CU has really, really set themselves up well for the conference yeah. schedule. If they can really – if they can turn it on – which McKinley Wright always does in, during conference play. If the rest of the team can match that, which it looks like if Schwartz can get there too, that's one through four. Find me a better starting lineup outside of Oregon because we can start running. All right, I'm going to pick 12 and six conference play. Whoa, okay. I was going to go the other way. I'm going to go 10, to eight, 10 and eight. Okay. Um, and if CU ends the season 21 and 10 with – a winning conference record in the Pac-12, they are good as gold. That is just fine. It's going to be a six seed probably, maybe a seven seed in the tournament. Yeah, I think 12 and six, that would make them 23 and eight without the Pac-12 win. That puts them second, third in the conference. You get that elusive first round bye. Yeah, and then it would be roughly a five seed. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll go 11 and seven. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, it, there's always something you don't see coming. Yeah. On both sides. I don't know. Ugh, how exciting. All right, give me your, not your conference season MVP on this team. Oh, I was going to ask you the same. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, 
qual- objectively it's Tyler Bay, but I want to pick uh, Evan Batty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean he's like his attitude is part of why this team has been able to stay at ten wins, soon to be hopefully eleven wins going into the conference game. Um, okay, who do you think steps up besides the top four? Who's going to step up in conference? Well. Uh, I think the overall MVP will be McKinley Wright again. Um, I think that Dayton game made it click. And yeah. I think we're going to get back to the attack the basket, McKinley, the go for steals, run everyone off the court, McKinley. Um, and he's going he's gonna to make a really good push, I think, for Pac-12 Player of the Year. Um, I picked I, him this season. Tyler, May, Tyler Bay might be better um, overall, but unfortunately it, it's just, you know, I saw how the game works. Defense – isn't as easy to sell as offense. So, um, that's why Matisse Thibel didn't win Pac-12 Player of the Year last year. As he should have, as he really should have. Um, but as someone who's going to step up that we haven't, that maybe isn't part of the that big four that we've been talking about. Um, and you know who it is. It's going to be my boy again. I love Lucas Seward this year. Even during the Dayton game, two huge threes during the stretch of the second half, where McKinley was on the bench and we needed someone to score points. He's going to be a guy who's going to come in for 20 minutes. He's going to give you the rebounds. He's going to work hard on defense. He's going to hit shots that someone needs to hit. Yeah, what, I, I, God, he's a luxury. He's a complete luxury. I think that I, I agree with you. He's been really good. Um, and I think he'll be continue to be really good in that role. I really like that role for him. Um, especially also he, his scoring output against who was it? He scored – Northern Iowa. He was yeah. he was the reason that CU was even close to that Northern Iowa game. He scored like 17 points in the first half. Because <laughs> they kept leaving him open and he kept hitting the shots because he knows he can hit the shots. Um, he even made post-ups too, like uh, post-up fadeaways. Um, I want to say Shane Gatling is going to pop off for a few games. Well, he, did he, did, he saved the team against CSU. Another luxury to have a senior that can just decide to hit shots. Um, he's the so, best 30% shooter I've ever seen <laughs> also Maddox Daniels Maddox Daniels is below 30% three point shooting and turning the ball over half the yeah, time I don't know what's happened with these Juco sharpshooters that Tacky's bringing in and then they don't shoot I don't know what that is um, yeah. if either of them can 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 pump those numbers up from long range, this team becomes disgusting. Um, also, before the season, there was talk that one of Kuntz, Parquet, Gatling, or Daniels would fall out of the rotation. And the way they've all played, they should all fall out of the rotation. But you have to play three of them. Yeah, I think Gatling is, has worked on defense to get himself those minutes. Um, I definitely think Daniels and Kuntz are the, the losses there. Um, especially Daniels. Yeah, Parquet has been doing what he's expected to do, which yep. that's fine. He, I think he only played five minutes against Dayton. And he's um, but he started, and, you know, it made sense to shorten the bench against Dayton like that too, where you basically – you're riding your stars in that game, and that's that's what we saw. So I don't know. I, I would bet on a Batty being my MVP just because we love him. We both love him so much. And then – or sorry, not Batty. McKinley Wright being my MVP. Um, and – I'm going to say that Seward's the guy that steps up. I think Seward also steps up. I'm just – I hope it's Gatling as well. I oh, – that would be nice. That would be nice. If we can oh, yeah. get something out of him 
rather than just, you know, six points a game, whatever. If we can get him up to maybe nine, two, two, 1.5 threes a game, two threes a game, that's huge. Yeah, just give me him shooting 35% from three. And Deshaun Schwartz never stopped shooting the ball. <laughs> he was really bad at, against Kansas, but that's perfectly fine. Shooter got to shoot, even when you're off shoot. What is he at this year? I think isn't he around like fifty percent from three? I think so. Actually, I think he's like forty-seven. I'm right. Don't go. Mark Titus actually has a. Uh, he's at forty. 46. He's at forty-six percent. Yeah. Mark Titus has a really interesting point uh, thing he says about that, where he he says if you're around fifty percent shooting from three, you're not shooting enough because you should never be around fifty percent. That that just shows that you're a really good shooter, but you're not taking enough shots to like mm. really help your team. Well, he's shooting 4.5 a game. Uh, I'm fine with him. Hey, man, if he's hitting at 46%, keep shoot more than that. Yeah, okay. All right. Um, give me your – I want to hear your Pac-12 first team. Who do you think is going to be the, your top five Pac-12 players? Okay, Peyton Pritchard. He's going to be a first-team All-American probably, or up there. Gross. Uh Peyton Pritchard, McKinley Wright um, for – would that be? I guess we're looking at a wing or a big guard. Maybe Timmy Allen from Utah. Um, he's been looking really good this year. Uh, maybe Nico Mannion, if if we count that. I don't know if we do. I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of Josh Green, uh-huh. so I can't really put him in there. Um, maybe it's Oscar De Silva from Stanford if they keep playing as they have. Maybe it's Jordan Matthews from USC. What about uh, Anyeka Ngunku? I don't even know. Oh, is that from USC? No, he, well, he, we're not even – I'm not to the forwards yet. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, I think for that small forward spot, ee, I'm probably going to go with Timmy Allen. He's going to put up a lot of numbers for a not great Utah team. Um, and then as we get bigger, I'm going to put Tyler Bay at power forward, I think. Um, I think C used to keep – there are two first-team Pac-12 players. Um, I think I have to go with Isaiah Stewart. Okay. I'm going to go five deep because that's how first team should be. The Pac-12 recognizes ten, but it should be five. I'm going to go Pritchard, McKinley Wright, uh, then Tress Tinkle and Tyler Bay at forwards, and then Zeke Naji at the other forward. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, I actually think he's going to take a nosedive as people figure him out. Okay, then I'll pick um, Isaiah Stewart in that case. I mean, he's a cleanup man. He really should not be leading Arizona in scoring. That just means Arizona's missing a lot of shots. Well, he's so fast. Uh, Zeke Naji? Yeah. Yeah, but he's also, like, I mean, never. you should never run your offense through him, you know? Okay. And uh, I think as teams figure that out, especially as they face better rebounding teams, he, yeah, okay, so give me one game we shouldn't lose, one game we shouldn't win, but we will. Um, one game we shouldn't lose, uh, I guess depending on your definition of shouldn't. Um, I'm going to say hmm, – I'm going based off of just the Ken Palm projections of losses and wins. I'm going to say that we lose to UCLA on the road. One game we should win that we are currently projected to lose, um, I'm actually going to say Oregon State on the road. I am not scared of them at all. Okay, uh, I'm going to be a little bit more risky than you, I guess. <laughs> Have fun. 
Um, I think we could lose to Oregon State at home. But I think Arizona State on the road is probably more likely. And then I also somehow think, I think on the road against Arizona is something we can win. If that's the game, CU just bullshits and gets this road win that we shouldn't get, that's the one. Uh, that is bold. <laughs> that that's is fine. absolutely bold. That's fine. I don't know. It's just nice. It's nice to talk about a team where we're pretty confident that most of the games are um, wins. So we're really we're looking for some some real what would you call it upsets. Mm-hmm. Uh, either way. <sighs> All, right. All right. Well. Going into conference play, Steve sells Iona left. Um, I think we're both expecting a pretty easy win there. Iona has taken a step back after the tournament game, tournament team last year. They've played um, six games this year. Iona has? That's wacky. I know. That's not that much. Um, the two wins are against Stetson and Kennesaw State. Um, and I, I think they're – Geez, they're only projected to play 27. They're just going to play less games than, than CU is. I feel like the, the program might be broke, and they just can't really afford to going to games. Uh, for a, little, a quick a quick scheduling thing for CU, what CU's looking at, uh, number one, Iona is very, very bad at um, assists per field goals made, as in they're giving up assists per field goals made. So CU should be able to work out some of those turnover and passing kinks. Um, but they only they were held they only had ten against Dayton, so it's not too bad. Um, Iona is also very bad at shooting the three and defending the three. So look for um, Lucas Seward and Deshaun Schwartz to hopefully blow this game up. And I'll be at that game. It'll be my first game going to this year. Whoa, nice. Okay, I will, I don't think I will be. So you take that one. I'll take the road games. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So Go hopefully, see you goes. To, uh, 11 and 2 heading the conference schedule. What a fun team. What a fun game. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. I'm Jack Barsh. That's Sam and Tivier back again. Here we go. It's at the buzzer.